You're listening to The Served Up Show, a podcast that features inspiring beverage professionals and topic experts that share their passions through meaningful content. Your hostesses, Bridget Albert, is best known as the Market Fresh Mixologist, an industry mentor with over 25 years of experience. And I'm Julie Milroy, best known for my passion for leading change and helping others grow in their careers. Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry. Hey everyone, it's Bridget here. Stu Aaron is a co-founder and chief commercial officer of Bespoken Spirits. Aaron is a seasoned startup executive demonstrating success across multiple diverse industries. Aaron is also a creative, out-of-the-box thinker. Martin Janasek is founder and CEO of Bespoken Spirits. He is a seasoned startup executive of advanced material innovation and manufacturing companies. He has executive leadership experience in both startups and multinational companies growing business from zero to over $500 million. Together, they created Bespoken Spirits and shared their inspiring journey with me. So sit back, grab yourself a bespoken whiskey sour, and enjoy the show. Martin and Stu, I am so excited to have you unserved up today. Thank you so much for being on our show. Happy to be here. Same here. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and start off with Stu. Stu, can you tell our listeners how you came into the beverage world? Yes. Um, in fact, both Martin and I are what I would describe as uh, seasoned Silicon Valley executives. We've both uh, been part of multiple uh, successful startup ventures in the traditional high-tech space. And uh, when Martin first approached me about this idea, uh, the opportunity to apply a lot of the principles and experiences we learned in you know 25 plus years in, in high tech to a, a market that uh, would be, I think, a lot more fun and we could have a lot more passion around uh, certainly was a very enticing proposition. That's very cool. Did you grow up in California? No, I grew up on the uh, on the East Coast. Uh, I'm from Jersey. Exit nine for those that always follow it with the wood exit question. You know, went to school in New York, spent about uh, a decade in the uh, Washington, D.C. area, and then spent the last uh, 25-ish years here in, uh, in Silicon Valley. Very cool. Martin, I'm going to flip it over to you. Same question. If you can share with our listeners what really turns you on about the beverage world. How did you wind up here? Yeah, I have to admit that I've been probably at least a customer of this industry for my entire life because I was born in Pilsen in the Czech Republic where the beer comes from. And I'm pretty sure that in addition to milk, I also got beer as a, as a, at a very, very young age. So I always loved uh, spirits. I always loved wine. I love food too, I have to admit. But yeah, and like Stu said, it was really about after 25 something years, right, working in different roles um, for fuser companies and, and, and 3D printing companies. I just wanted to combine that experience with something that I really, really love. And, and the, the fact that it's spirits came out of a whiskey, a whiskey and spirits club. Well, let, let's hear more about that. You know, let's start off with the name Bespoken. You know, how was that created? 
why, why is that word? Why is that phrase important to you? And we can just uh, stay with Martin. Yeah, of course. Actually, Stu, it was Stu's idea, um, the, the, the name be spoken. And, and, and the reason uh, Stu chose it, and I think, I think almost, almost everybody left it from the beginning, was that we started the company with the idea to be able to control uh, the maturation process of spirits, could be whiskeys and rum and, and, and any kinds of spirit that is traditionally matured in a barrel. And with being able to be uh, to control the process right with today's technology and science, right, then be able to customize the spirit to a specific profile, which can be aroma, taste, or color. So the company was always about the customization part, the tailoring part, and that's where where the name Bespoke came in. And all credit goes to goes to Stu for that name. Well, Stu, congratulations! There you have it. Stu, can you talk about, um, you know, where bespoken spirits are made? How did that come to be? How did you bring it really truly to life once you had the idea? Yeah. And, and, and as you just uh, alluded, uh, Bridget, it really started with the idea. Right. And, you know, when Martin first approached me about the idea, it was an understanding that, you know, it, it's kind of ironic that arguably the vast majority of a spirit's value gets created during the maturation process where the spirit is interacting with wood and the environment to kind of, you know, take on its, its aroma, color, and taste, its sensory profile. Yet, ironically, it's where the least amount of science and technology has been applied over the last hundreds and hundreds of years. A lot has gone into distillation and fermentation, but very little has gone into maturation. It's always been a, let's rely on mother nature um, to, uh, to, you know, to be kind to us. And unfortunately, mother nature is not always kind. And unfortunately, as things like climate change are are impacting environments, it's, 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 it's more variable than ever. And so, you know, the opportunity to apply modern material science and data analytics to maturation and take control of the process, precise control of the process, to be able to take a starting spirit and get the exact sensory profile that we wanted it to have out of this process was really an exciting premise. Uh, we call this, by the way, craft maturation. And it's really about, for the first time, applying the same level of craft and art and science rigor to maturation as has historically only been applied to, to fermentation and distillation. And it allows us to unlock flavors and be incredibly creative um, and really do some amazing things with, uh, with, uh, with spirits. And how does this really play into sustainability? Because I know that um, from what I know about your company, that sustainability is one of your core pillars. It's very important to the two of you. And I'll stick with um, Stu if you'd like to continue. Yeah, sustainability is, is, is absolutely one of the key um, pillars of, of, of the company. And what's, what's amazing about this craft maturation process that we've developed is how much more sustainable it is than traditional you know, barrel aging. We use on the order of 97% less wood. We use on the order of 99% less energy. We use at least 20% less water. And we have no angel share to speak of because our process typically takes three to four days. So we don't have to worry about evaporation. And that, that for me is, is, you know, sustainability aside, that blows my mind that this industry has come to expect that on the order of 20% of the product will disappear before it ever gets to market. And has absorbed that and the impact on the economics, on the planet, on the consumer, um, when there really is something we can do about it. And so, you know, by, by designing the process the way we've designed it, it's traditional in that we only use spirit, wood, 
toast and char, no additives, no chemicals, no flavorings, but we're just using all of those elements in a much more controlled, in a much more precise, and in a much more um, sustainable way than ever before. Thank you. And I think that that's amazing. I mean, really, if you think about it, I mean, gosh, the creation of spirits has been around since the dawn of time, basically, when we look back. And so whenever we can make improvements on it, and especially in the sustainability part of the process is really important. It's important not only to folks like me that are trade members, but I believe also um, for consumers. You know, one of the things that definitely came out of the pandemic is consumers are being very picky on what they purchase. They want to truly know the story and the good um, that that product is doing um, for our earth or for their community. So I think it's just super cool what you guys are doing. It's absolutely amazing. Um, Martin, can you talk about some of the first spirits that you released and why? Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, uh, we worked probably about about a year and a half, and this whole this whole started literally in my garage, and then and then after after we got some uh, seed funding, um, uh, we did wanted to show uh, the what we had what we had developed right and then because even even before we released the first the first spirit uh, it went through thousands of learning cycles which is part of this amazing advantage right by having something that only takes three to four days where we talked about less using less energy etc but it also helps you to iterate and to really perfectionize the recipe of your spirit because you have those short, short learning cycles. And it took us, it took us about a year and a half, right? Till we had something that we felt, felt um, is, 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 is ready for the world to see. And, and our first uh, batch that we released, uh, we, we called it uh, the original batch. It's, um, it's, uh, it's, um, it's a bourbon mash bill. And, and, and this was one of the first ones. We submitted it to the first competition, got a gold medal. Like two weeks later, we had submitted it to another competition. It got best in category. And we felt like, oh my God, right? this is incredible. And then the next release we had, we worked with a local uh, dist- uh, with a local distillery in California to, to, to release a rum. And we submitted that spirit and won a gold medal in San Francisco. In parallel, we had submitted an American light whiskey. It also won a gold medal in San Francisco. Yeah, and that just blew our minds. And, and at this point, we have uh, seven different SKUs. And we won like 106 awards. Well, congratulations. That's amazing. As someone who sits on a lot of those boards that you just mentioned, I can tell you it is not easy to place. It is not easy to win a medal. So congratulations. Job well done. (laughs) Stu, can you you talk about, you know, what really excites you about your spirits? You know, I I think the opportunity to evolve with the evolving market, Mm -hmm. right? If you think about the modern spirit consumer, it's it's changing, right? Uh, You know, Five, 10 years ago, baby boomers were the, the main consumer of spirits. Today, it's, 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 you know, it's a younger, more millennial, you know, Gen X, Gen Z consumer of spirits. And their care abouts of, of that modern consumer have changed. You know, for, first of all, they, they want more authenticity and purpose. They're not as beholden to the, uh, the big brands as the, the prior mm-hmm. generation. In fact, they will go out of their way to not drink their daddy's whiskey or their You're grandpa's right. whiskey. Mm-hmm. They, they, you know, if, if, if they see that brand on their daddy's shelf, they, they don't want it. 
there's a lot more interest in variety and value, thus kind of the, the, the variety and the, the, the seven SKUs that, that we have. There's an appreciation for technology. It doesn't, it doesn't scare this modern consumer. And as, as you said, a, 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 a commitment to causes like climate change. And so when you think about kind of the elements of this modern consumer and the elements of bespoken spirits, there's a real nice uh, overlap there. And that's why I think it's, uh, it's really appealed to that, uh, that modern consumer. Yeah, I, I absolutely um, agree with you. Can you tell me which, which of your marks is your favorite? Is that allowed? Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, you know, it's like, it's like uh, choosing amongst your kids. You never mm-hmm. tell them you have a favorite, but you always do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting. You know, Martin and I, um, you know, great friends, but we're about as opposite as, as two people can be. You know, he's the material scientist and, and uh, by, by training and a food and beverage guy by passion. I'm neither of those things. I'm a, uh, you know, marketing and, and business development, you know, guy. And I've got more of the everyman's palette. And that actually, you know, complementary skill sets, complementary palettes has allowed us to, to create a portfolio that we always say, we don't know which spirit of our spirits is going to be your favorite, but we know you're going to love at least one of them because they hit on a lot of different notes. So within the portfolio, I tend to gravitate to some of the, uh, the smoother, sweeter stuff. So my favorite product is our American light whiskey, um, which, you know, unlike the name would imply, doesn't mean that it's low calorie or or anything like that. Light whiskey, as I'm sure you and your, your audience knows, means it was distilled at a, a higher proof, which makes it lighter in color and it makes it less, less harsh. And I love this American light whiskey because it, 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 it's 100 proof. It packs a punch, but you wouldn't know it. It's very smooth. It's sweet. It's got elements of, of honey and, and marzipan. And it's awesome in, a, in, in, in just about any cocktail. I love it with a little splash of amaretto and then in a sour. It's just a, uh, a wonderful, wonderful uh, spirit. I love that you said amaretto, you know, that's such a classic spirit that we don't hear so much about anymore. And I think it's one of those spirits that's back on the rise, thanks to the whole resurgence of classic cocktails, right? So that's really neat that you mentioned that. Martin, I'll take over to you. What were some of the more shocking moments when you really decided to go full force into the beverage industry? Because something that I say on the show all the time is that you either really love this industry or you just don't because it's so hard, you know, it can be so hard on you to wear you out. Interesting. I can't, I can't understand why you wouldn't love this industry, but I can definitely say that we had a lot of, a lot of aha moments, right? Especially not coming from an operational part from the, from the industry. So the regulation was, I wouldn't even just call it aha moments. It was like, that can't be true, right? That you cannot do this or you cannot do that. And I'm like, in what century do we live? Or oh, it's just, it's been, it's been a really, really interesting, interesting, interesting journey. And then of course, not just uh, within the US, but like literally almost depending on, on what, what, what state you are in, right? That the regulations can be so, so different and you, and you just have to work through it, right? Luckily this, this, this has been around for a while. Uh, we just had to team up with the right people to help us to understand all the things that we can't do. And we'll just do all the other things we can do. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, Sue, so kind of want to throw kind of the same question over to you, because, you know, one of the things is, is when a new spirit comes on the market, um, it's really important to generate the bartender's excitement right around that, the people that really pour it that make the cocktails for the customers, you know, what feedback have you received from the community 
you know, that's, that's been the most, I think, exciting part about this is how the community as a whole has embraced what we do. Um, Cause you know, what we do is different enough. It's uh, you know, even though, as I said before, it's, it's really steeped in tradition and that we use, you know, only those, those natural elements, but we take a different approach and, and we're able to do it on an accelerated time frame, and we're able to break some uh, some old habits. I honestly expected a lot more resistance to some of those changing concepts than we've received. And even more important, I've been amazingly pleased and surprised by how the folks that were resistant, the skeptics that we ran into at first, how they changed their position, especially when they're able to taste the product. And at the end of the day, I think that's what matters the most. It's great to have a unique story. It's great to have technology at, at our side. It's great to have you know, investors like Derek Jeter in the company. But if you don't produce a product that people love, none of that really matters. And the fact that anytime anybody says to us, well, I'm just not sure I believe that this can be done, we can simply say, try it, mm-hmm. put liquid to lips. And we've, you know, we're yet to find anybody who hasn't really been wowed by that and, um, and again, as, as you know, Martin said earlier, we've taken home 106 medals in blind competitions. That's really, you know, been, been the thing for me that, that the industry, because I think we've crossed the quality threshold has been warm to what we do and has embraced it. Um, you know, there's always going to be some, you know, uh, bastions of religion that, that may, may, you know, not come our way, but in a half a trillion dollar a year market, that's okay. We, you know, we can go after a, a big enough, uh, you know, mainstream piece of it. Absolutely. I mean, that would go with any industry, right? And so I think that it's really um, incredible that you can come up with something new with such, especially we talk about like whiskey, which is such a classic and so can be seen as sometimes very stodgy as well, right? And breathe this cool new life in it. And I have to say, Stu, that the story does matter. It really matters what you're doing. And it matters to the bartender, to the trade, and to the folks at home. And so you really have the full package. I mean, it's delicious. And you've got the story behind it to back it up. So yeah, I, I was, you know, I was talking amazing. to I was talking to one of the uh, the CMOs of one of the uh, the big large uh, beverage companies not too long ago. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, really pleased with the comment that he made. He said, you know, traditionally, the only real avenue we've had to market products on is their age. Mm-hmm. And with your craft maturation, you're creating a lot of new levers and, and avenues that actually, as a marketer, I'm excited about because it gives me something other than age to kind of, you know, build, build stories around. And we take a lot of pride in that, that, you know, even though our process is faster, it's actually harder. It's more work because we really, you know, pour a lot of time and energy into painstakingly sourcing and 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 characterizing and cutting and shaping the wood that we use and blending the mixture of the wood that we use in, in our process to create the recipes that deliver these award-winning results. That's really amazing, um, Martin. Can you talk a, a bit about? Do you see more spirit companies using this technology? Not really recently. I mean, people have tried right really for I think even before prohibition when I first started, I kind of looked at, at some of the some of the old patents that were out there. Mm-hmm. I think I think I think the oldest one I, I found was from was from yeah almost almost ninety years ago. But but uh, it just probably wasn't the right time right from the technology that was available, the data science. Yeah, we haven't really talked about that, that to enable what we are doing, right? Uh, uh, Stu talked about the effort that we're putting in, but it's really about, it's 
really about understanding what is happening in the maturation process on the on the molecular on the on the on the chemistry basis, right? What the different compounds that we that we perceive as attractive in the spirit that we like, right? Where do they come from? Right? What are the what are the reactions that lead to them? Are they coming from the spirit? Are they coming from the wood? Are they coming from the reaction between when we're extracting from the wood and and what's in the spirit? So that's where we spend a ton of time, a ton of science, a ton of analytical chemistry goes in there, and a lot of data science to understand the chemical fingerprints of the spirits before and after maturation. And these things have not been, would have been almost impossible, right, 20, 30 years ago. So today we have not just the science, but we also have the data science in particular, right? The power, the, the, the computing power to actually make sense out of data that we would have not been able to make sense before. And, and if I could amplify that, well, you know, while to Martin's point, there's not a lot of other companies that have the, the expertise or the experience or the approach or the, the patents pending that we have to be able to do what we do. There's a lot of companies who stand to benefit from what we do. And in fact, our business is actually split. We sell the bespoken branded products, um, but we also provide services to other brands. Where, like an Intel inside, we use our technology and our process of craft maturation behind the scenes to help them make better products, you know, faster and or and or, or cheaper. Or t- uh, in many cases, we work with companies who had put their product in a barrel. At the end of their maturation process, when it came out of the barrel, they were not happy with the result. And we're able to take that product that spent three, five, seven, nine years in a barrel and nature wasn't kind to it and tailor it to what they actually wanted. And so there's a lot of folks in the industry, distillers, rectifiers, retailers, brands, celebrities, who we do work for. And we expect to continue to see that, you know, that, uh, that opportunity grow as well to help all brands benefit from you know, the uh, you know, revolutionary change that we're, uh, we're making. And it truly is a revolutionary change because it takes a bit of a little bit of the guesswork out, right? When you put something in a barrel and you're kind of watching the clock, like, okay, I've got seven more years to go before I'm going to taste this barrel. You know, I'm tasting it every day, but what, what's the end product? What is that end game? Did I just waste a decade of my life or is this going to be delicious? And so, you know, that just, I think, comes right back into your pillars again of, you know, sustainability, that great message and what you're continuing to do for the community as a whole. Um, you know, a process like that can also add jobs. I mean, it's, it's just incredible what you've done with science, with spirits um, beyond the norm. I think a lot of us beverage trade members tend to geek out on the small stuff. And this is really the stuff that we love. So (laughs) I think it's pretty, pretty cool what you're doing. Stu, can you talk a bit about, you know, right now there is a huge whiskey craze going on. Oh my gosh, not just here in the United States, but truly around the world. And I'm just curious, um, do you see this bubble bursting or do you see other opportunities for more variants of whiskey or bourbon to come out in the long run? Uh, we're, we're very excited about and, and bullish on the whiskey market as a whole, because I think what we're seeing is we're seeing, especially with approaches like ours, we're bringing new people into the fold. It's not just the age-old traditional whiskey drinkers that are continuing to drink whiskey. It's younger. It's, it's different demographics. It's different socioeconomic groups. Um, a lot of that is changing. And I think our ability to expand taste profiles and sensory profiles 
um, is really attractive. Another thing that's really interesting is when we first introduced our product to the market, we introduced uh, smaller bottles, 375 milliliter bottles, because our philosophy was with seven SKUs, instead of somebody paying a lot of money for one big bottle of one product, they can buy for that same amount of money, two or maybe three bottles, smaller bottles, and get some of that variety, have their own tasting, have their own pairing, um, et cetera. And I think what we also try to do is be, number one, very transparent, and number two, very informative. You know, a lot of people have been intimidated by the whiskey market, right? They're afraid to ask questions. They're afraid to not follow conventional wisdom. And I think, again, with our story and with our approach and with our breadth of product, we, we really want to encourage people to try to ask, to, you know, not be, you know, crammed into a box. And I think that, uh, you know, we, uh, we, we help unlock that. And I hope it's, you know, better for the industry. Oh, I think it will be. You know, I think that you definitely have some curious minds out there, which is, you know, just once again, part of your story. You know, it's really, really super cool. Um, Martin, I want to slide it over to you. You know, we've talked just a little bit about whiskey. Can you share about your rum? I would love to hear more about, yeah, his eyes got really big. Y'all can't see it, but Martin's (laughs) eyes just look like saucers. Okay, cool. So can you tell us a bit about rum, about your rum specifically? Although I'm specifically, I'm sure, I believe it's the best rum I ever tasted, but I also have to admit that I'm more a whiskey person than a rum person. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful uh, rum to sip. And maybe maybe a short backstory on this, which kind of also emphasizes um, how, in, how incredible the, 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 the method is that we had developed. We only, we only decided about two, two and a half weeks before the San Francisco deadline for the competition to submit um, um, the, the rum and, and because one of our investors' wife, right, apparently her favorite favorite spirit was the rum. So we sourced the rum that actually the, the, the sugarcane originally came from the Virgin Islands and then a uh, distillery in, 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 in Southern California. Uh, they actually fermented, they did the distillation and we think because we focus exclusively on the maturation part. And then we ran a couple of recipes. We send it to our internal, our external um, the tasting panel, and we selected the recipe that the team liked most, and that's the one that won the gold medal. So it's a beautiful balance. It's like it's it's what you want from a rum, right? It's very it has a lot of tropical tropical notes from your banana, your pineapples, but then from the from from the maturation process, right? We get beautiful vanilla, right? The caramel. Some of the spice also from the wood. It's it's based on how it was um, uh, fermented. It is not as funky as some of the some of the other rums uh, that 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 are that are out there. But yeah, and it's beautiful color, right? Nice, nice, nice amber color, and yeah, definitely, definitely favorite for many people. Who always say I don't drink rum, and they try it and they 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 love it. Well, I love that. I, I would say rum is fun. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> period. Yeah. Period. Amen. You don't have to say too yeah. much about rum. It always makes you feel like you're on vacation, right? <laughs> and so you you said that. Um, do you recommend that folks drink it on the rocks? Is it more I'm, of a sipping rum, or what do you think? You can definitely sip it. I usually sip it, right? Okay. Even I, I love it. I love it neat. Right. It is, it is the spirit of the lowest proof in our case. It's only, it has an, it has an 80% proof. 
So, so, but yeah, you can make your, you can make your typical tropical cocktails to make you feel even more on vacation. Absolutely too. But I usually drink a lot of my, a lot of, a lot of the things, a lot of the whiskeys and rums that we make, I usually drink them neat, but it's really up to you how you like it. Yeah, that's good advice. That's very good advice. Stu, I'm going to um, flip it over to you. And, uh, you know, I have a question for actually the both of you, but we'll start with, with Stu. Is that, you know, your background, you said, is really Silicon Valley, right? And that's what you came up with. That's where you where your heart is. That's where you came from. But you had a real passion for spirits and the two of you met. And that's, you know, the company came to be. And, you know, something that happened during the pandemic and really um, one of the reasons this podcast was created was to inspire our listeners and to really think about other roads, other opportunities. And how do you really dig deep when you're taking that leap of comfort that you probably had in your previous life, right? And then jumping into this wild, wild west, I like to call, of the spirit community. Can you maybe tell our listeners a bit about what that was like for you and maybe give some advice for those who are maybe looking to do um, something new or really taking that leap? Yeah, I mean, one of the, the nice things about, I think, having spent the time that, that Martin and I have spent in Silicon Valley is, is culturally Silicon Valley instills in, in you, take a chance. You know, uh, if you've got a great idea, run with it. Failure is not perceived as failure. Failure is perceived as, as a learning experience that prepares you for the next, you know, success. And so, you know, having been part of multiple, you know, knock on wood, fortunately successful startups and having, you know, built businesses in a bunch of different industries, we had the, uh, the confidence and the, the lack of fear, the confidence and success and the lack of fear of failure to be able to, uh, to you know, dive into this with, uh, with both feet. And I think that's, uh, you know, that's something that hopefully more and more parts of the country and, and parts of the world are, are, are embracing. But it certainly, you know, has, has for a long time been kind of a cornerstone of Silicon Valley. And it, it, it was a nice, it's a nice foundation because it really um, allows you perhaps to take some risks that some, you know, more conservative people in more conservative areas might not be as willing to, uh, to take. Do you have any advice for someone who's looking to maybe make a change or jumping into something new? You know, I always say, you know, I, like I made it a, a habit in my career. Each time I changed companies in, in my, my career, I intentionally went into different industries with different technologies and business models because I always love learning new things. And I, I, I you know, I'm not very good when, when I'm bored. And I always considered that an amazing strategic asset because I would come to an industry without any of that conventional wisdom, which is often neither conventional nor wise that kind of puts blinders on to how you think about things. And it's allowed, you know, me historically, at least to be more creative and, and more out of the box in terms of what I've brought to the industry, which, you know, again, has, has, has played out well in, in the successes that I've had. And so I think that appreciating the fact that coming to an industry or, or job or something that you haven't done before is okay. Um, and that everything you've learned and done in your career and experience is an asset to bring to the table. Now, the flip side of this, that is, you also can't have too much hubris and appreciate the fact that different industries have different nuances and things to learn and appreciate. But if you strike that right balance between confidence and outside of the box thinking with an appreciation for the way things happen and work and those that have come before you in an industry, it can be a pretty potent combination. Yeah, I love that. Martin, would you like to take a stab at the same question? Just maybe give some good advice to those who are coming up in our industry 
Yeah, maybe also a little bit backstory on my case, right? I, I, I was lucky. I'm pretty sure I had a midlife crisis or something, right? Where you kind of in your life and you say there needs to be something more, right? To do something different. And I've also been, I don't know at what, what, what age the idea in my life came, but I never wanted to retire at some point in my life and think of what have I done the last 40 years? And because I've been going to the same job every day. Right. I, 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 when I was born in Czech Republic, I grew up in Germany. I went 10 years to Austria. I've been now here in, here in California for 17 years. Right. I've, I've, I always wanted to kind of relive life because whenever you start something new, right, you get a great new opportunity, right, for sort of for your second, third or fourth, fourth life. So that was for me, for me important. And if that's something that's inside of you, right, other people, they'll just, super happy and they'll be they'll be happy to do every every day the same thing right so it's it it really depends a lot on the on the on the on the individual did everybody think in my uh, family including my friends that i'm crazy when i started making whiskey in my garage absolutely my parents like why did you get a phd in material science i tell them well because i'm now making more chemistry than in my entire life before and so, yeah, I'm not sure whether that's helpful, but but there's always a risk in life. And and but there's a German saying, and I'm, I'm sure I'm going to screw this up in English, but it's sort of about it's easier. It's about taking taking the risk to be to be happy, right? So a lot of people don't take the risk, but they just stay unhappy, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's a risk involved in it, right? While there's no risk. Uh, to to stay being unhappy, so and I kind of took that to my heart to kind of take take a risk. Aren't you so glad that you did? I'm glad you did. No, thank you. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I'm so glad you did. Sue, can you Sue, can you share with us um, what's next? What's next for Bespoken? What what's the legacy that you all want to leave behind? You know, I, I think there's an opportunity to to look at the the global picture. Is kind of you know what I kind of view as is next, and you know not just being able to um, you know provide the sustainability benefits that I talked about earlier in terms of less wood, less water, less energy, but actually being able to uh, enable much more local spirit creation. Because if you think about it, one of the biggest climate change impacts of this industry is shipping product, right? So if instead of you know, Taiwan importing all of its scotch from Scotland, apologies to those from the, uh, the UK that are listening, what if they could make their own scotch locally? And using our process, we can help it really either replicate or emulate the best scotches or create entirely new vectors or avenues for, for scotch taste, but it can all be done locally with local grains and local ingredients and local wood and, um, and not have to deal with all of the, uh, the shipping of, of supply chain or finished, finished products. That I think is, is is a golden opportunity. So, you know, I would say the you know the ability to take what we've done on kind of a, a you know first a local California basis and then a national basis and and think about applying it to uh, to the global problem of climate change and of getting good quality uh, you know spirits everywhere is uh, is what we you know we envision. I wish you all the best in that. I think that that's a lovely legacy and vision, and uh, you know, and especially. In the world that we live in today, um, folks are so proud of what's in their backyard more than ever. You know, you always see the hashtag support local, local community, you know, efforts all the time. And how wonderful would it be to have 
the everything that you love as far as spirits go right in your backyard and you're doing some good to the planet at the same time. I think that that's a beautiful um, vision. And I hope that that you make that happen. I have a feeling that you both will. Martin, would you like to leave our listeners perhaps with some last words? (laughs) Last words. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe I can add to sort of what Stu said a little bit, right? Sure. Um, um, uh, the, the idea of producing the spirits really locally, worldwide, well, that's a big, big vision that we have, right? But on the other hand, I'm, I'm so thankful for everybody who kind of took a risk with us, right? Whether it's the local store around the corner where I probably had to go there five or six times, right? And ask him, would you be willing on to take and take on a new brand that nobody knows at this point, right? Whether it's my favorite uh, Italian restaurant, right? That took us on, right? Or whether it's our distributor, right? Who took care to, who took a risk. So, so I just want to thank everybody for the support that we have gotten, right? Over the past couple of years. And, and, and it makes me extremely proud uh, to see our spirits on the shelf i would have never never hoped early on that i would see them in all kinds of stores we go to and it just makes me super proud and wanted to thank everybody wanted to also thank our own team for everybody putting in so much effort right there's a big risk in what we do in in the in the in the early time of a of a company and if you feel the same just do it too Yeah, that is wonderful. If you feel the same, just do it too. Yes. (laughs) Stu, can you let everyone know that's listening where they can find you and where they can find your product? Yeah, the easiest thing to do is to go to our our website, bespokenspirits.com. And there's a uh, tool there to find a a store or retailer near you, as well as to uh, get access to online purchases uh, as well. Wonderful. Listen, don't don't forget to follow us uh, on Instagram at bespokenspirits. Very good. Um, Well, listen, on behalf of the Served Up family, I want to thank you both for taking some time out of your day. And, you know, your story is certainly one that we don't get to hear every day. So I do hope that you come back and you let us know what you're up to next, you know, how you're changing the world of spirits next, because what you're doing is truly special. And I, for one, I appreciate it. So thank you for all of you, all that you're doing. And I want to wish you both just some great health and just a lot of peace. Thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you, Bridget. Thank you for having us. Thanks for listening. Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Kill the Lion can be found on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to be notified of future Served Up episodes. Cheers. Cheers.